so sorry. No harm, no foul, though. It's just time for her to meet the parents. Ugh, not the parents. Bye-bye, Melissa. Will. Here we go, man. Yeah, what's your point? The point is, my friend, you are afraid of love. No, 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 man. I'm not afraid of love. I love love. Look, I've had a lot of girlfriends, right? Now, sometimes I'm the rebound guy. Other times, when I get lucky, I'm the explore new areas of your sexuality guy. But every single time, we have fun. Thank you. If more people thought that way. I do sleep well at night. On a twin bed with Superman sheets that you've had since you were six. As opposed to you, sleeps in a king-size bed in your mother's basement. <laughs> it's orthopedic, and I need it. I'm a rambling man. I'm a tumbleweed. I'm a secret truth. Mm. The one truth I've learned, a child is a parent's greatest joy. <laughs> Which is why I can't leave my parents' place, because because they would miss me. Amen, brother. And yet, in America, we're, we're shunned for our lifestyle. Well, we should be celebrating our lifestyle. We are men who still live at home. Yes. We're not here to apologize about who we are, how we do it, or who we live with. No! Look around this table, hombres, and I see three winners. Huh? And every one of those out there who sees something different, I say, bring it on. Because it's going to take a stick of dynamite to get me out of my parents' house. Oh, there is so much wrong. I want to point out a few things. First of all, Tripp is 35 years old, and he still lives with his parents. Now, the premise of a 35-year-old still living at home is, is funny in a movie, right? When it's not funny is when it happens in real life. Now, normal, normal for humans is to grow up, um, move out, get a job, get married, have kids. Abnormal is a 35-year-old still living at home, mom still making his bed, uh, doing all of his laundry, cooking his meals, and even packing his little lunch for a snack. That's not normal. Now, the, the, 
the title of the movie is Failure to Launch, and, and it's kind of this idea that, that Trip is on the launching pad, and he has not launched out yet, even at 35. Now, years ago, <clears throat> I was with my family. As before Janie and I were married, I was with my mom and dad, my sister and her husband, they had two kids, and, and one of my brothers and his three kids, we were all at Disney World. Coolest thing ever, cheapest time I ever went because I stayed in my sister with them and, and I only had to pay one-fifth of it. Anyway, that's another story. But we were there and we were loving it. We decided to go to the Kennedy Space Center one day. Now, as luck would have it, we were there when, when the space shuttle was supposed to launch. We were, we were rearranging our schedule. We were going to be there when the space shuttle launched and then there was some weather issues and they postponed it. And here's something I noticed that day was that nobody gathers if the space shuttle isn't launching. It's not a big deal. It it moves on the little thing. It's a huge, massive thing that moves the space shuttle out there. When the space shuttle is on the little thing, it moves at one mile per hour. It's like watching paint dry. When the space shuttle isn't in there, the machine can move at three miles per hour. Man, it is booking then three times the speed. But nobody ever gathers. Now, we got on the plane and we flew back. And the next day after we got home, the space shuttle launched. And there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people out there. They take their lunches out there, their breakfast, and they're just hanging out. And, of course, they've got to be way away from it. But I've always wanted to see it. I've seen it on the IMAX theater, which was pretty cool. You know, my seat rumbled and it's a big old screen and it was awesome. But I want to see it in real life because people get excited about seeing something launch. Nobody gathers to watch something sit on the launching pad. Well, that's the deal with Trip. He is stuck on the launching pad. And if he keeps doing the same things he's been doing, he's going to get the same results that he's always been getting. And he's going to be 65 now. His parents are probably croaking. He'll get their house. Woo! Got the house free and clear. But he'll have no family and nobody to share this big old house with because he's stuck. And he's stuck emotionally. Everyone around knows it. And we laugh at it at, at him in the movie. But, but what's really not funny is that churches are filled with people who are stuck spiritually. And it's not funny. These chairs that you're sitting on are intended to be launching pads for you. You come and you worship in a crowd. You get fed the word of God, which is the bread of life. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. So we try to feed you every week so that you can push back from the table, get off of your sanctified butt and do something for the kingdom of God. Nobody ever comes into the kingdom of God if you sit and soak year after year after year. Yeah, and, and see, this is why it isn't funny. <laughs> because when it comes to your spiritual life, you are as close to God as you choose to be right now. Spirituality is a choice. Maturity is a choice. And you'll never grow up until you choose to. You're as close to God as you want to be. So number one, spiritual growth is a choice. If you keep doing what you're doing spiritually, a year from now, will you be any different? Most of you say no. Some of you, some of you say, well, I don't know. If you don't know, you won't be any different because spiritual growth is all about a choice. At some point in your life, you have to say, I'm not going to be this way next year. I'm going to get over some of my pain. I'm going to take it to God. I'm going to take it to a group. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to grow spiritually because I can't keep being a one-year-old Christian. If you've got a kid who's 25 years old and he still acts like a one-year-old, then, then you have some issues. We've got to choose to grow up spiritually and be different. And until you choose to grow, you're never going to grow because spiritual growth is a choice. And when I was thinking about this, the, the passage of scripture that came to mind was Hebrews 5, 11 through 13. 
The writer of Hebrews is writing to mature Christians. Keep that in mind. These are people who should be grown up. Here's what he says. There's much more we would like to say about this, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. Okay, you're in in the classroom. And the teacher says, hey, dipstick, listen to me. That's what he's saying to Christians. You're in the worship service. And, and some of you may be getting a little uncomfortable. Some of you should be getting uncomfortable. Because this is aimed at you. Let's just remove all doubt. You should grow up. Pay attention. He says, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. And I'm going to read you verse 14. I didn't put this on here, but I'm just going to read it anyway because you need to hear this. Solid food is for the mature who by constant use of the solid food have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Some of you can't distinguish good from evil because you don't spend any time with God. And, and you're, you're doing the same things over and over again. And see the writer, this, <laughs> he's saying the way the church should function is that older Christians should be teaching those who haven't been in the faith any longer. They, they should be stepping out and serving in some capacity so that the younger Christians benefit from the, benefit, benefit from the older Christians' knowledge and experiences. But that's not what's happening. In fact, the older Christians need someone to instruct them again. And the writer, man, he just throws it out there. It's like if, if, if you've been through school and you come back in, you know, we graduate from high school and you come into your freshman year in college English and the English professor says, dude, you don't even know your ABCs. You'd be offended, right? Now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing with me? It frustrated me as a kid. Nobody ever sang with me when I would sing it again. And I would do it over and over The writer is saying, you need to be instructed on the basics again. And some of you here should be way past this. But you've been sitting there. Some of you have been sitting there since this church formed 12 years ago. And quite honestly, there is not a bit of difference in you spiritually today from 12 years ago. Something's wrong. We ought to be having meetings. Saying, why aren't these people growing up? And every church I've ever been in, I guarantee you, Behind closed doors, we have these conversations. How do we get our people to grow up? And, and a lot of the pastors were afraid to say this because somebody might get mad. They might leave. I don't care. It's what God told me to say. And, and so don't kill the messenger. Take it up with him. It's very clear. Grow up. It's not acceptable to live on mama's faith. It's not acceptable to live on daddy's faith. It's not even acceptable for you to live on last year's faith. He's saying we've got to grow up. If you're being swayed by the same thing over and over, then then you need to grow up. You need to make some choices. 2 Peter 3.18 says this, continue to grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Continue means you keep doing something that you already started doing. You need to keep doing something that benefits you spiritually. If coming to church benefits you spiritually, then what should you do? Quit going to church? You keep coming to church. That, that's, that, that was the beginning. That was the easy one. They get harder, all right? If coming to church benefits you spiritually, what should you do? Keep going to church. If going to celebrate recovery benefits you spiritually, what should you do? 
Thank you. That's the leader. Keep coming back. If small groups help you spiritually, what should you do? Keep going to small groups. If you have a gift, if God has gifted you in some area, you are expected by your heavenly father to use that gift to build up the body of Christ. Your gifts are given to you for someone else's benefit. The reason the church is not functioning properly, not enough people are using the gifts that God's given them. The same 20% are doing the same 80% of work and something's got to change. And we're going to try to accomplish that in the weeks and months ahead. You, can, you continue to do something before God because it's the right thing to do, not because it's convenient. We were talking this morning, and, and one of the things Janie and I used to hate in the first couple of years of this church was calls on Sunday mornings because it means somebody wasn't coming. And, and when somebody wasn't coming, that means the rest of us did double duty or triple duty. And it was hard. We get the phone. We, sometimes you just want to silence it. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. But you have to know. because And sometimes it's legitimate. But sometimes it's just, oh, I overslept. Really? How big are you? How old are you? We start at 11. <laughs> I got here at 6. Because I want to be here and I want to make sure everything's going right. You want to come with me? Come, come join me next Sunday. How, who's going to volunteer? Let me see volunteers. Who's going to be here next Sunday morning at 6? All right, I got one, two. Look at that. We are going to pray that the rest of these people get up and get here on time. You do what's right before God because it's going to benefit you. No one stands still spiritually. You're either moving towards God or you're moving away from God. Um, and so here's the next thing on your listening guide. Or by the way, if you have your U version, if you don't know what U version is, see me afterwards. You got a smartphone. It's the coolest thing ever to have the Bible on your phone. But we also put the, the notes, the message notes on U uh, version. And you can find that and you can follow along. So the second thing is, I am responsible for my spiritual momentum. OM goodness. You can't blame the preacher. Well, you can, but you're just being an infant. Um, because God says, anybody saying ouch yet? Because God says you are responsible to him. You're not going to answer to me. I'm not going to answer to God for what you do. I will stand before my maker and I will answer whether I did what God called me to do or not. And if I'm faithful to that, God's going to say, good job. I'm not supposed to do your job. You're not supposed to do mine. But if we all work together, we have this functioning thing that the world looks at and they say, there must be a God because those people get along. And look what they're doing. Amazing stuff. Well, there's no growth without pain and you've got to make some choices to grow. And in this second movie clip, um, reality comes down on trip. And I, I kind of like this one. Well, you know, you'd be amazed at how many adult children are still living at home. Now, it's my opinion that the root cause is a lack of self-esteem. Oh, Oprah talks about that all the time. Oprah don't know crap. Heck, when I was growing up, nobody had self-esteem, and we turned out fine. You're a rock, Al. You make me a better woman. Look, many young men who should be able to move out simply can't. It's called failure to launch, and that's where I come in. Young men develop self-esteem best during a romantic relationship, so I simulate one. We have a memorable meeting. We get to know each other over a few casual meals. He helps me through an emotional crisis. Then I meet his friends, if he has any. Uh, then I let him teach me something. But the bottom line is, he bonds with me. He lets go of you. He moves out. But how do you make sure that he'll fall in love with you? You look nice, you find out what they like, and then you pretend to like it too. That is pretty much how it works. <laughs> 
What about sex? Al, I never have sex with a client. Besides, I need to keep Trip motivated. And let's face it, after men have sex. <sighs> Is there anything that we need to do? Well, for starters, you could make life a little more difficult for him. You know, uh, more chores, more responsibilities, that kind of thing. I just think you should know that Trip has had some rough breaks. I promise you, when this is over, Trip is going to be an independent, self-sufficient adult. Hey, boys. Hey. Hi. Trip, we're going out. All right. Listen, got any more chips and salsa downstairs? Oh, I didn't get to the store. Uh. But you could go. Hmm? And um, you said you needed your basketball shorts, so I put them in the laundry. Uh, thank you, babe. But I didn't get to it. So you're going to need to do a load. Load? And uh, your bathroom needs cleaning, so I left the stuff in the hall. And when you're done with the rubber gloves, just remember to turn them inside out. Bye. Something's wrong with your mom. One of my favorite lines. Something's wrong with your mom. You're not supposed to do any work at 35. She had it all figured out, right? Paula does. She's got this formula. You, you, find, you look nice. You find out what he likes. You pretend to like it too. And, and I, I let him bond with me. I let him teach me something, you know, it, it, as if it's that simple. Of course, sometimes it is with dudes. But anyway, we won't go into that today. We're having a marriage series. And in fact, I left the whole sex thing in there because I want you to understand where we're heading next week in the, in the marriage series. We're going to talk about the whole relationship. And, and we're not going to be afraid to say that word because God is the creator of sex and, uh, Keith has always wanted to put a counter up there to see how many times I say it in a marriage series. He wants a little thing, ding, ding, ding. You know, if we could figure out the technology, we would stick that sucker up there. So if some of y'all want to do that, Michael, if you want to try to come up with that by next week, feel free to do that. Um, do you remember the self-esteem movement? I think I was growing up during that time and, and certainly later. The self-esteem movement was we need to teach our kids if we could just improve their self-esteem, the world would have peace, peace on earth. Right? And, and so kids weren't supposed to ever experience defeat. We didn't keep score because in, in, we couldn't lose and everybody gets a trophy and, and life is good and that's just a bunch of horse manure. Right? Because life is painful. And, and you learn from not everybody wins. And I think that's part of the problem is we try to defend our kids way too much instead of letting them suffer some consequences every now and then. What kids need is the same thing that Christ followers need. We need to grow up and learn from our experiences. So how do you do that? How do you grow or how do you continue to grow? We're going to go back to the ABCs today. We're going to go back to the basics because some of you are not growing and it really concerns me. First thing, daily time with God. Now, in a little bit, I'm going to give you an opportunity to, to answer this, write this on the back of your card. Uh, but, but this seems so elementary, I shouldn't even have to say it. But if we were to be really honest right now, I guarantee you, 75% of the people in this room do not have a daily time with God. And see, here's the problem. Connection with God is the prerequisite for having the life of God. If, if 95% of everything that God wants you to know is contained in God's word and you're not spending time in God's word, guess what? You don't know God's will. And everywhere I've gone, people say, I just wish I knew God's will. And, and honestly, some of you, I'm going to start saying this to you. Because some of you say, well, God's will is for me to do this. God's will for, and I'll go, 
That's contrary to scripture. God will never ever call you to do something that's contrary to scripture. Either you're stupid or you're just flat out rebellious. There's not not a whole lot of middle ground. Getting touchy, isn't it? I uh I mow lawns and and my you know I've, I learned a long time ago that you should work smarter, not just harder. And your equipment has a lot to do with that. So I have steel trimmers, S-T-I-H-L, steel trimmers. And these suckers are some of the baddest ones. Now, I've got the curved shaft, and they're just residential. They're, they're wimpy, you know. But I have a straight shaft. Every time I buy one, I get the next biggest model because, you know, some of them I'm going to have to work out before I can even lift them. But I like to be able – years ago, a friend of mine said, you know, I got a guy who works for me, and he can trim – with a trimmer as fast as most guys can mow. And it's been my goal ever since to, to be one of those guys. And so if you see me with a steel trimmer, do not sneak up on me because you'll get something chopped off because I will flip around. I am going after it. And I get in trouble because Janie has plants. Janie's a plant woman. She plants and she watches them grow. And dude, if it's in front of me and it's green, it dies. It gets chopped up. And so I'm flying around the house. And so she, you'll see massive barriers around our house where she wants a plant to be saved. I'm like, that's the only way it's going to be saved. Because I get in the mode, I'm killing stuff. I'm cutting it. Now, besides the fact that it was her plant, she spent money on it, and it brings her joy, and I get in trouble for that. What is the big deal that I cut off the pretty surface flower from what's underneath? Because what's underneath is what contains the life. Disconnect the fluffy stuff from what's underneath and it dies. Disconnect a Christ follower from Christ and their spiritual life shrivels and dies. And you have an enemy who knows this and his his stated goal is to destroy your connection with God. And we have to wise up to that. You know, we're going into the marriage series. Well, let me just tell you this. If your marriage has dried up and there's no joy, there's no passion in it, it's because you're not spending time together. You've lost the connection with your spouse. You got to do what you did when you were in love. Guys, what you did to catch her, you do to keep her. You need to date your mate. You need to, to stir the embers once again because marriage is hard work and you don't, you don't drift into a passionate, God-honoring relationship. You don't drift into that. It is an intentional choice and you, and you build that fire and you keep that fire burning. God's idea is as long as you live. So if you've drifted, it's because you're not connected with your spouse. It's true with God. It's true with your spouse. It's true with any relationship. If you don't spend time with someone, you cannot connect with them on a regular basis. Look what it says in 1 John 2, 28. Now, dear children, continue. By the way, have you noticed we've used that word continue a couple of times. Continue, continue, continue to do what you know is right. Now, dear children, continue to live in fellowship with Christ. Now, I'm going to tell you this. You know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a professional Christian. I mean, it's my job, right? You know what the number one most difficult thing for me to do on a daily basis? Is to have my time with God because everything in the world is stacked up against me having a time with God. Sometimes y'all will call. Sometimes there's other emergencies. Sometimes stuff happens. But I have to be committed to having my time with Christ. Otherwise, it doesn't happen. It's not easy. Sometimes I don't feel like it. But I have chosen to do that on a regular basis. And and there's an old saying, if you miss your your time with Christ one day, 
Christ knows. If you miss it two days, you and Christ know. If you miss it three days, everybody else knows. Because you're a punk. Because left to ourselves, we're punks. The only way we have supernatural love, the only way we have grace and mercy, the only way we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control is if you're connected to the giver of those things. Make sense? So when you encounter me and, and grace comes out, you know I'm connected to my father. If you encounter me when you're driving and gross comes out, then, then I'm not connected to my father. It's, it's real simple. Satan knows if he can disconnect you from God, you have no power and you'll be, you will not be able to resist his temptation. You have no strength against anything that's coming out. And, and if, you're, if your excuse is I'm too busy for God, then guess what? You're too busy. There's something messed up in your schedule. That means you're putting everything else in front of the number one commandment. Jesus was asked, what is the number one commandment? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You have neglected the number one commandment from the one you call Lord. And see, you weren't put on this earth to do your to-do list. You were, God created you so that he could love you, you could love him, he could know you, you could know him. And if you're not spending time knowing and loving God, you're missing the number one reason you're alive And Satan doesn't care about all the good stuff you do. If he can just disconnect you with God, you don't have any power. He wins. 1 John 3, 6 says this. Everyone who lives in union with Christ does not continue to sin. What it means is when I'm connected with Christ, he gives me the power to resist temptation. He gives me the ability, the effort, the desire, everything I need to resist doing what's wrong and instead to continue to do what's right. Satan wins. If he cuts off our connection, because the connection with your heavenly father is the key to your spiritual life. And if you don't get this one, you might as well go home because nothing else matters if you're not connected to the power source. Now, in this second or in this third clip, uh, Trip actually is getting some faulty information. We'll talk about how that impacts his life after we watch it. Look, I don't see why it's so complicated. You like Trip. Tell Trip you like him. I gotta tell you something. I told Paul about Amy. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? What? Why? You were never going to. You never even say her name. Amy was his ex fiance. She died about six years ago. To lose love is the greatest pain of all. That's right. It's okay to cry. We'll turn around. I'm fine, guys. Dude. You're not right to do that, man. That's, that's my life. You're right, you're right. And normally, I believe everybody needs to walk their own path. It's just you're not walking yours, okay? You're sitting near the path on a rock. This is the only thing I could do given the circumstances. Circumstances. Brings up the other thing I got to tell you. I feel a little bit bad because I kind of implied to Paul that I wouldn't say anything. But deception's a poison. Your parents hired Paul to date you so that you'd move out of their house. They were paying her to be your girlfriend. Paula. Yeah, but she's a professional interventionist. It's a, it's a job. <laughs> You're telling me it's not real? No. No, it's real. It's very real. Okay, you're upset right now. I want to encourage you to see past that bottomless sense of betrayal. Focus on the future, okay? Because I think you guys can work things out. I mean it. I think you crazy kids have a shot. See past that bottomless sense of betrayal. That's another great line. 
Well, he's been living his life on false information and he finally has a friend that tells him the truth and that's the next thing. You've got to fill your mind with truth if you're going to grow up and be different next year than you are this year. Now, how many of you know that if you put trash into a computer, trash is what you get out? How many of you, how many of you remember VCRs? Besides playing tapes, what was the number one thing that children thought a VCR was for? Sandwiches, bananas, anything other than the VHS tape. And, and stuff would come out. Waffles, yes. So kids would stuff things in there. And you would watch. I mean, you could put a hidden camera in somebody's house. And, and you could watch a kid. They would look and just that, that opening, it was just, it was just dying for something to come in there. Then when you stick the VHS tape in, what comes out? Not, not the video you were trying to watch. Yes. And then, oh man, it's just bad. So whatever you put in your mind is what you're going to get out. If you put garbage in your mind, you get garbage out. And, and by the way, the Bible says that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And, and let's just get real. If, if you have a problem with cussing, it starts here. It's not even here. It, it starts in your heart because when, when, when you're connected with God, you don't have the desire to cuss. Now, granted, there are times things happen and, and you may think it. But the Bible says you've got the mind of Christ. You don't have to say it. It's multiplied when it comes out. You can put soul food in your mind and soul food will come out. Um, you, can, you can put stuff in and that's just stuff that doesn't matter. You can put useless information. I have so much useless information in my mind. I can sit around and talk about sports and sports don't matter. Obviously, it doesn't matter. If you're a Rangers fan, you know nothing matters because we're losing and we're the worst in the league and it just doesn't matter. Oh, it kills me that my Rangers are losing. Not even losing good. I mean, if you, if, you, if you play... See, okay, that's useless. We won't go there. There's a lot of stuff you can fill your mind with that just doesn't matter. You can put poison in there. Poison is, is um, stuff like violence, pornography, all kinds of evil stuff. Some of the stuff you watch in movies, some of the, some of the music you listen to. Um, the reason you don't hear the cuss words is because you're, you're just numb. You've heard it so much. The reason you don't mind seeing nakedness on, on a movie is because you've seen too much of it. And, and your, your heart is calloused. And so your Heavenly Father can't even get through to your heart because you have so much crap in your life. You don't even hear God. It's because you're not connected. You're not filling your mind with the right stuff. See, you can, you can do all that other stuff or you can continuously fill your mind with the Word of God. That's the only way you're going to be different next year than you are this year. To be happy... You have to have a continuous input of the Word of God. How many people want to be happy? A few of us. So watch what, watch what the half-brother of Jesus had to say in James 1.25. The truly happy people are those who carefully study God's perfect law that makes people free, and they what? Continue to study it. They do not forget what they heard, but they, do, they obey what God's teaching says. So according to Jesus' half-brother, happiness and satisfaction in life depend on whether you study and obey God's word or not, continuously, right? So, in, in our movie, we're, we're almost finished with this, in our movie, um, this never happens, this is, this is Hollywood. His loser friends, and he's going to talk about his loser friends in a minute, but his loser friends actually help him find true love, but I'm going to tell you after this clip, I'll, I'll tell you what we really should be doing. Go ahead and watch this. Gee. Hey, come on, we're going to go rock climbing. Get in the car. No. Keep them open around here for two weeks. 
Come on, get in. Nah. Trip. Come on, it's unlocked. It wants you to get in. Come on, get in the car, Trip. Oh, isn't this great, guys? How you doing up there, Trip? You feeling it? Yeah, baby. This is a nice rock. Aren't you glad we came? Yeah. Doing good. This is having fun, aren't we? Trip, you should call Paula. She wants to see it. That's enough, Demo. Little slack, Ace. Oh, here you go. Uh-huh. Belay on. You know, she's hurting, too. She's miserable, Trip. Let it go, guys. My bad. I once knew a specialist used to send some of his patients to me. Look, Paula, this has to stop. You don't sleep, and the only thing I've seen you eat in the last three days is a bag of mint Milano's. Well, don't worry about me. I'll be gone in a couple weeks. What? Where are you going? I'm moving back to Colorado. What are you going to do in Colorado? I haven't figured it out. Well, that's stupid. I mean, what are you going to do until you figure it out? Move in with your parents? Hmm. That's... So wrong. Don't judge me, okay? I mean, you of all people, it's pretty funny. You know what? I'm the one who's in a real relationship. You're the one who lies for a living. You think you're so smart, but you don't know anything. Did you really think you'd never get caught? You could have been happy, but you blew it. Now you try to act like it's everyone else's fault, but it's all you, and now you think Colorado's the answer? You were bitten by a chuckwalla. That shouldn't have happened. It's a reptile of peace. I have a theory. This isn't the first time that nature's lashed out at you like this. I believe it's because your life is fundamentally at odds with the natural world. Mm. Therefore, nature rejects you. You're insane. Can I have some water? Right here. On you. Here we go. Okay, okay, easy. Look, I've been all over the world. You're the only human, to my knowledge, who's been bitten by a dolphin, a chipmunk, and a vegetarian lizard in the same calendar year. Mm. And you haven't been a very good friend, either. Do you realize that not once have you asked me about my relationship with Kit? Dude, did you just drop me from a 40-foot cliff? (laughs) I mean, you want to talk about a friend, man. You went behind my back and blackmailed your way into getting your girlfriend. That's right. Sorry, I dropped you from a cliff. It's okay. Granted, he used you, but not out of malice. Look at him. How many chances is he going to get? He saw a chance for love trip and he took it, which is exactly what we wanted for you. Am I getting advice from my two loser buddies who still live at home? Actually, I own my home. What? No, you don't. I bought it a couple years ago for my mom. That way she has a place to live and I don't get nailed on the inheritance tax. That's smart. Wow. 
And Demo here has chosen the life of a wanderer. I mean, sure, he technically still lives at home. Yeah. But his permanent address is in his heart. He's a bum. I think what we're trying to say is that the two of us are happy and we're perfectly functional. And you, Trip, are not. Oh, that's a great scene. Happy and perfectly functional and no, all of that's wrong. So, you don't need loser friends to help you find love. What you actually need is to hang out with Christians. Now, Christians of the same sex. Um... Some of you need to run from temptation. Some of you need to run from your current set of friends. Do you know that you, you will never get well, you will never, never be healed from the hurts in your past on your own? God designed it this way. That, that you only get well when you have a group of mature Christian friends, one or two, that, that you can share your deepest pains with. God uses that. In James it says um, that we are to confess our sins to one another and pray for one another so that we may be healed. You confess your sins to God, but if you want healing, that's for forgiveness. God's the only one that can give forgiveness. But if you want healing, you have to have somebody that you can share those pains with. As long as you keep them inside, you remain sick. And we say it in recovery all the time. You're only as sick as your secrets. Those things that you think nobody else wants to know about. It's kind of, it's almost comical because when someone shares in a group, they think that, 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 that no one will accept them. Just the opposite happens. When people share a deep, dark secret, everybody in the room, not physically, but emotionally and spiritually moves towards that person. And we've experienced that in our small group. And, and so we want you to get connected in small groups. We're going to be talking about that a lot more in the weeks ahead. Here's what it says in Hebrews 10.25. We should not stop gathering together with other believers as some of you are doing, are doing. Instead, we must continue to encourage one another. You need continuous encouragement. And now some of you, some of you are going to say, well, I tried a group and I didn't like it. Let me let you in on a little secret. They didn't like you either. And, and it's okay. But, but saying, I tried something once and I'm never going to do it again is like saying, well, I went to the doctor, I didn't like the doctor, I'm never going to the doctor again. Or, I went to this restaurant, I didn't like this restaurant, I'm never eating out again. In fact, I'm so upset, I'm never eating again. Right? If you miss a meal, do you say, I'm just going to quit? If I can't be consistent with eating, I'm just going to stop eating altogether. How stupid is that? Just as stupid. As saying, well, I tried church and I didn't like church. I tried small group. I didn't like small group. I tried this and I didn't like it. God wants you to get connected with a group of people. So it's okay. If you try a group and you don't like it, go to another one. Start your own. Invite your weird friends to be with you. And then watch what happens when you get honest and you study God's word and you pray together. You all begin to grow up. And that's the goal of a church. You need a group because you're not going to grow spiritually without a group. And if you're going to be in this church, you need to be in a small group. We teach this all the time. Galatians 6, 9 says, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. God brought you here today for you to hear this. Don't give up on doing what's right. Grow up. The choice is yours. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? Some of you have heard all of this stuff before. It's just a basic spiritual growth message. And you've never applied it. 
And I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to walk out these doors and you're going to say, oh, maybe that applies to me. And you're going to walk out and Satan's going to begin hitting you. So you need to make some decisions right now, whether you're going to do what God calls you to do or not. Are you going to have a daily time with God? Yes or no. Are you going to fill your mind with truth? Yes or no. Are you going to hang out with Christian friends? Yes or no. Make the decision now so that when you're hit by the enemy, you can say, no, I've got this commitment. When I stood before God and I promised my life to Janie, I promised to God, I promised to Janie, and I promised to all the witnesses there that I was going to be married to her the rest of my life. And it's a commitment I intend to keep. I intend to keep my commitments with God. And I hope that you'll take a step today in that direction. Father, would you reveal to us exactly what it is you want us to do as a result of your truth. Help us to grow up and be a mature church. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.